Kevin Shattenkirk in the penalty box. Blues to a Verizon Wireless penalty kill. I'll take a shorthanded goal. Audi will play the puck over the red line. I'll bring it in. Lose it. And a good play there as Petrangelo smokes it out of the zone. Blues get it deep enough. They're able to make the wholesale change. Steve forces it. He shoots. They score! You can bring out the Zamboni. You got your wish with a shorthanded goal. Alex Steve strips it from the goalie and buries the game winner. Blues turn now. Vladimir Sabotka. Scored in the first playoff game of this season. Comes into the middle. Sabot to centers. They score! The St. Louis Blues have scored! Magnus Payarvi sends the Blues into the next round. And they'll have a home date with the Nashville Predators. Come on, St. Louis! Stastny behind the net to Fabry. With Brower in front. Pass to Brower to Stastny. Score! Blues get it back! Roots it over Kari Lettman. And this line is special. 2 nothing Blues. 138 to go. First period. We are the Blues. We are the Blues. Hello and welcome to this episode of Let's Go Blues Radio, the Talkin' Blues Summer Interview Series. This is Season 7, Episode 5. Franchise episode, all-time, number 138. So as you can tell by those calls in the opening of the show, we've got a pretty good guest on uh, for this episode. Before we get into that, though, we do have a couple uh, notes to touch on. First of all, as I do every episode, I'm going to beg you to subscribe to us on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, or Plex, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can also listen to us at letsgoblues.com slash radio if uh, that's where you want to get your podcast because, I mean, it's such a good site. Let's let's be honest here. Kurt Bryce, the master of creating sites. Uh, also, make sure to rate us on iTunes with five stars if you see fit. Uh, that helps get the word out about this show. And uh, leave a review if you can. Tell us what you like about us, what you hate about us, who the most attractive host is. We all know it's Bill. Uh, whatever you want to say on that review, we'd uh, love to hear your feedback. So before we get into our guest, two more notes to hit on. Joel Edmondson, back with the Blues. That is a, a good sign as he signed his one-year deal. I think it's uh, going to set him up nicely for after that Bowmeister contract comes off the books. Uh, he'll be having a nice little pay raise there as well if he has a good season, which I could see him playing on that top line with Petrangelo uh, as he really, I think, kind of came in his own the last two years. So good for Joel Edmondson. Happy to have him back. I think that blue line is looking pretty steady at this point. One more note, and that's that uh, the Stanley Ponder Cup Memorial Tournament, which is held every November to honor my father, who passed away from leukemia in 2015. Uh, that tournament will be coming back again this year. We have not set the date exactly yet. We just know it's going to be a Saturday in November at Queenie Park Midwest Sport Hockey, the inline hockey tournament. Uh, and it, it benefits Leukemia and Lymphoma Society and Be The Match Foundation. So uh, make sure to stay tuned to me on Twitter and Facebook, and I will be uh, posting whenever we get the date 
and whenever we start accepting player signups, and then obviously there's the raffle that goes along with it, so we'll be looking for items for that. So again, we don't have the date yet, but uh, it is confirmed it will be at some point in November, probably the second or third weekend in that month. So on this episode, I interview the director of broadcasting and radio play-by-play broadcaster for the St. Louis Blues, Mr. Chris Kerber. He's uh, been with the team for 19 seasons now, and uh, he did just lose his partner in crime in Kelly Chase. He uh, does talk to me about how he's going about helping finding the replacement. Not that you can replace Kelly Chase, but we do talk about that. We talk about his career covering hockey, which goes all the way back to his college days. This includes some of his time in minor league hockey, how he's had multiple roles within a hockey club's front office while doing the play-by-play simultaneously, which has always been an interesting aspect of minor league hockey to me, how the play-by-play guys are always involved in some other way just because it's a, a smaller operation. Also, should say... There's some fun stuff that we talk about with Ole Jokinen, former Blue. I know that's how everybody remembers him as uh, St. Louis Blue. That was where he had his best year, years. Uh, was it, 10 games I think he played for the Blues? But anyway, we talk about him. Uh, there's a little history that Kerber has with Jokinen going back to his uh, AHL days. So pretty interesting to hear that from Chris Kerber. He, uh, he does not hold back. We also discuss a little blues talk. We talk prospects, the goaltending situation after Carter Hutton has left, and much more. So again, this is a a real honor, a real treat for me as uh, Chris Kerber has been the voice of the blues for since my teenage years. Well, that's enough yammering for me. Here's my interview with blues radio voice Chris Kerber. This is Jeff of Let's Go Blues Radio, and today I'm joined by uh, Chris Kerber. He's the voice of the St. Louis Blues on KMOX 1120. He is entering his 19th season as the radio voice of the Blues. Chris, thanks for joining me. Jeff, glad to help out. Of course. So you are a St. Louis native, went to Country Day in uh, in uh, uh, St. Louis for high school, because People always wonder what high school do people go to. For some reason, it's a strange St. Louis phenomenon. But um, you uh, you ended up going out to Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. Uh, if you can remember back to those days, what made you decide that school for college? You know what? I had uh, I had four options uh, that I'd gotten into. Uh, one was USC, one was Purdue, one was Miami, and... Uh, what was the fourth one? I don't remember the fourth one. Um, but uh, those those were kind of the options uh, at my disposal. And uh, Miami was the first school that I visited and stayed at the Miami Inn, which is right near the baseball field. And I knew I wanted to do sports broadcasting. Uh, so I looked into that. Uh, there were plenty of opportunities at the student radio station to do it. And, uh, and, you know, and then also, but I also knew I was going to get a business degree uh, and, and, and go the marketing route rather than the, the traditional, you know, want to be a broadcaster to get a degree in communication. So it was just a good fit. I loved the campus and uh, and ended up going there. And then uh, Chris Rose, that uh, so many people are familiar with, with his great work on, uh, you know, intentional talk and, and his work with Fox and the different stuff that he's done. Chris was uh, the sports director at the student radio station and 
uh, you know, with him and, and a small group of guys, uh, a lot of play-by-play was finally started at the at the, the radio station, and that eventually led to uh, him being general manager, me taking over as sports director, and then when he left uh, a year before I did, I took over as general manager of the station and just kind of got immersed in uh, the broadcasting and, and, and the business of it. So in 1994, you graduate, uh, as, again, as you said, you were doing the play-by-play for the hockey team there, the Red Hawks. In your time, you saw NHL players such as Kevin Adams, Dan Boyle, Brian Savage. Um, yep. Was this something that uh, you always wanted to do, hockey? Because, you know, looking at your past, you were very immersed in hockey. So when you went to, to school there and when you graduated, you just say, this is the sport for me. Well, you know, to be honest with you, I mean, we did all the sports. Uh, I, I got a great story for you. We the the the, uh, the Mid America Conference, the MAC Basketball Championships, one year. I, I believe it was in Bowling Green, and Chris Rose and I jumped in the car and we drove up to Bowling Green and we're looking for our spot. Now we did all these. We never did these games live. We did all these games on in our four track tape recorder, and then we would go back and then Sunday mornings they're kind of the game of the week over the student station. Uh, we go up there and we're looking for our spot. Jeff, we were dead center court. And we're looking around going, oh man, we gotta like hang some cables off the back of this table to make it look like this is official. You know? <laughs> and, uh, because we didn't want to get booted. And, uh, but we did all the sports. Uh, you know, Miami was great. They, uh, they made room for, uh, the student radio station, uh, WMSR to be, uh, to be at all the sports. And, uh, and, and at one point, uh, there was a guy, his name was Bob Rotruck. He's now, he's uh, doing games in the American Hockey League still. Bob had, uh, Bob was kind of doing the hockey and, and the student radio station kind of came in and we said, well, you know, we, we should have that spot. And then, you know, that they were kind enough to give it to us. Um, and at that point we started doing hockey. So the first hockey games that I did, for my sophomore year, and it was Miami versus Michigan. Michigan came in ranked, uh, like, I don't know, top five in the country. We were 12th somewhere in there. And we beat them in overtime the first night on a controversial bar down goal and then tied them the second night. And the lines to get into the old Goggin Arena went halfway uptown. I mean, it was huge. Only a 3,000 seat arena on one side. Um, actually, maybe it might have only been 1,500 to be honest with you. Uh, so it, that, that's kind of where it got started. So in college, they did all the sport. And, and including baseball. And absolutely loved doing baseball. Um, thoroughly loved, frankly, doing football as well. And, uh, when you graduate in May, and student loans are due in October, honestly, hockey teams were hiring and baseball teams were already in season. Hmm. And I made the right contact and wound up uh, getting a job in Birmingham, Alabama doing hockey and things just kind of went from there. So I can't sit there and say that no, I, I, I sat there from the age of five wanting to be a, uh, you know, a hockey broadcaster, uh, but you know, we did all the sports, and, and it, you know, sometimes things happen for a reason, and uh, I think it, it's worked out pretty well, and I'm glad it did. So, uh, as you mentioned, you you go over to Birmingham, uh, start covering the Birmingham Bulls, the ECHL, from '94 to '96. Now, something that's always kind of intrigued me about minor league sports, and you kind of touched on it with your talk of getting a marketing degree. Um, you also did a lot of the PR work. Uh, for the Bulls, and then later we'll get into talking about the Springfield Falcons, but you ended up uh, becoming the director of marketing over there. Um, how do you juggle that, doing play-by-play, all the duties that come with that, as well as, as all of the extra work you have to do for the team? Well, uh, you learn how, you learn the business. You learn what's important. 
um, but there are some days when you're doing that, and then the first meeting I had with Art Clarkson, you know, who hired me, to, you know, he was the owner in Birmingham. He basically said, your job is to make more money for me than I'm paying you, you know, <laughs> so get up there and sell. So, I mean, I sold advertising, I sold underwrites logos, dashboards, tickets, whatever I, whatever I could do. Um, and you don't get paid much, so the best way to pad your income is to get some commissions off of doing those sales. Uh, and, and you know, what you learned, and look, there, there were some nights in Springfield, and I put together a church night that had sold close to 3,000 tickets. I was behind a table in the box office, still distributing tickets to groups that were arriving late five until five minutes before I went on the air to do a game. Um, it's just... You know, you just learn the business and you learn about the craft and, and you learn to appreciate every aspect of it. And, and I, I can tell you that that's helped me, maybe more so than anything in the actual broadcast part of it. Uh, you know, you, you, you learn to, you learn to appreciate the, what, what the ticket sellers are doing every day. Uh, what, what, what your game night personnel are trying to do from an entertainment standpoint. When you have your hand in all that, you get a fantastic education. And, uh, and it broadens your mind that just, hey, I'm showing up to do the games and, and that's my job. Uh, it's so much more than that. And, and to be honest with you, uh, the willingness and, uh, and eagerness to not only just do it because that's what you had to do, uh, you know, you have to do multiple jobs when, or, you know, look, a minor league team does the same exact thing that a big league team does. The difference is a minor league team might have five or six employees, but they still have to do everything, everything that a big league team does. Right. Uh, so, so you get a chance to do a lot, and uh, uh, and you have to be willing to. And 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 frankly, the, the business side of it to me has been just as much fun and enjoyable as the broadcast side. So, uh, kind of getting into the Birmingham Bulls a little bit again. You were there ninety four to ninety six. Um, this was before Nashville, uh, the Nashville Predators came in the league, before the Atlanta Thrashers. This is right around the time when the Dallas Stars uh, moved south from Minnesota. So really, hockey was still kind of, I, I guess, a, a new concept in the south. What was attendance like down there while you were there? Well, Art, Art Clarkson was a fantastic promoter and knew how to sell. We were at the Birmingham Jefferson Civic Center. We bring in the, you know, the famous chicken, the San, people know the San Diego chicken, uh, Ted Giannola's there, and, and we'd sell out 17,000 people. Wow. Uh, for, you know, for, for those games. Uh, he, he really knew how to, how to promote and do it. And, uh, and, you know, we had a former blue, Phil Roberto was our head coach. Um, and it, it, it worked there, man. And it was, a, it was a lot of work. Now, a few years earlier when they tried to get the friend, now I believe, I believe the Bulls came in in 92. Uh, into the league. When they first came, first applied, they were turned down, uh, you know, for a franchise uh, because of the location. But it, it, by 90, the 95, 96 season was my last there. We were the northernmost team, uh, well, except for Nashville, I think, in our division. So, um, I mean, we had Lafayette, Louisiana, the Tallahassee Tiger Sharks, the Mobile Mystics, you know, we're all in there. The Nashville, Nashville had a, had a team. They were the Nashville Knights. They had a terrific minor league goal scorer, Trevor Job, that, that, uh, just absolutely lit it up there. You know, and even at the time, Atlanta had the Atlanta Knights, which, uh, were in the International Hockey League, the IHL. So, hockey was around and, you know, Birmingham had the Bulls and the WHA. And, and it was, I mean, they had the Baby Bulls, which, which had Rick Five and, you know, and, and company on it. So, there was a hockey history down there that dated all the way back to the late 70s. And, and so it, I think it was because of that that it thrived. And they've got a team again uh, back down there now in the Southern Professional Hockey League. And so, 
you know, hockey, it's a sport that's continuing to grow. It's a sport that's continuing to get wider notoriety. And it's difficult because it's not something that you necessarily just go outside and play. And so, um, but, but I think hockey's continuing to grow and the love of the sport is definitely getting bigger as they're realizing that, uh, you can do it. And we have, you've got players from Southern California, you know, when you have players from Florida, when you have players from Texas, you know, getting drafted into the National Hockey League, like Seth Jones, I mean, you, you, you know that you're starting to reach and shoot this. I know people have heard a lot of it, but, I mean, again, look at look at what happened just a few years ago, even in St. Louis. The hockey's been there 50 years, but you just had five players from St. Louis drafted in the first round a couple of years ago. You know, another St. Louis kid, and Matthew Kachuk, well, two years, and then, and then Brady Kachuk this year. I mean, it's it's growing all over the place, and, uh, and it's great to see. So uh, after you leave Birmingham, you take four seasons uh, with the Springfield Falcons of the AHL from 1996 to 2000. Uh, some of the players you covered included Shane Doan, Manny Legacy, Ole Jokinen, and then Daniel Briere, who was uh, actually top five in points in 97-98 with uh, 92 points in 68 games, which is impressive in no matter what league you're in. Uh, when you saw these types of players play and, and maybe kind of you know looking back when you joined the Blues, could you kind of tell that these guys were uh, ready for the NHL, that they were going to be NHL players, or was it more uh, you know that these guys just seemed to have good years and, and you didn't really know where they were heading after that season? No, you knew. Uh, Danny Breer came in, and uh, he's become a very—he's uh, become a, a terrific friend of mine. I, I, you know, the players sometimes uh, much better from a minor when you're in the minors than you do. Uh, and then you get to know some of them even uh, on your team here in, in, in the National Hockey League. But Danny Breer came in, and at the time he did, uh, he had—he had led the Quebec League. He gained goals, assists, and points. And I believe at that point, now somebody else might have done it since, but I believe at that point only Dale Howard, Chuck Mario, and you and Pat Lafontaine were the only three players that had led the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League in goals, assists, and points prior to Danny doing it. He came in and he won, uh, he won rookie of the year. Uh, you knew he was, he was going to do something and, and he had a terrific NHL career. Shane Doan was sent down for, for just a couple of weeks. You know, and, uh, and, you know, we, we, we had a corporate apartment in the same building that I had my apartment, so, you know, we go back and forth uh, to the, from the bus or the rink together for a couple of weeks, and uh, um, you know, and, and you knew that when he went back up, he, he wasn't coming back. What, what a career he had! You know, then, then you had guys, you know, seriously, like Ole Jokinen. Ole Jokinen came down from from uh, I believe it was the LA Kings we were affiliated with at the time, right? Mm-hmm. And and the guy just had just a just a rotten attitude, and uh, you know, and uh, he did. I mean, well, and, and this is part of the thing when, when players get sent down to the minors. Sometimes teams know that they've got the skill. Sometimes they're looking to see what the attitude is, and 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 they're not going to let it do it. I mean, he, he was in the paper when he got back up to L.A. At, at, in Orange County. And he was, he was, I mean, people, especially knowing he was a high draft pick, the organization bent over backwards for him to try and make him as comfortable as he could. And, and all he did in the paper was was basically rip the team and you know rip the organization and you know and stuff. And and, and you know and and so I've never. Never thought highly of him, uh, you know, from that standpoint. So, yeah, he had a he had a real solid career, but you also could see the things that that, that might have kept him from being even even a better player. So, um, yeah, you get to see all that stuff. You, you get to you'll recognize it. You know where guys have their ups and downs. And what you really learn, Jeff, is the process because 
you know, Danny Barrera, for example, gets called up. Uh, was it Bobby Francis that was uh, the head coach of Carol of uh, Arizona at the time? Yes. I, I don't remember exactly, but that sounds he gets right. called up. They put him on. They put him on a fourth line. He, he, <laughs> you put a smaller guy on a fourth line, he gets footed by Ruslan Foy as a concussion, right? And then, and then Arizona never figured out where the fit was for him, right? You know, so they had him up and down in the minors, and finally, uh, finally, you know, he, they, they moved him to Buffalo, and that's where his career took off. And, um, you know, it, it's about teams calling guys up, using them right. And so nowadays, when we see a player go down to the minors, and I'm sure we'll talk about some of the upcoming blue stuff in a little bit, but, uh, you know, when you see a, a highly touted player even go down to the minors, if there, there's a lot of positives that can come out of that. It's not necessarily a negative. And, uh, and, and as a broadcaster or uh, an executive or somebody in, in, in those leagues, you get a chance to learn and see that and understand how that works. So when you do get to this level, you've got a really good uh, base of knowledge of what really goes on. So um, well, let me ask you this then, go ahead and jump in forward a little bit. Ole Jokinen joins the Blues a couple of years ago. Um, was that kind of something that you said, uh-oh, or was it like, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's been, you know, 10, 15 years since that happened. He's matured, I'm sure. But uh, what, what was your thought process when that happened? Uh, very honestly, I thought about the article that he said uh, and uh Alan Perry was to uh, our organization on that, and I still remember it. So, I mean, it didn't change anything. I interviewed the guy, do what I had to do, uh, call you know, call his name on the radio. But, uh, but uh, you know, but I, I, I thought at that point you knew the true colors of an individual. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm just black and white honest with you on that one. Oh no, that's great. I hey, that's that's what I'm looking for. Um, so after you leave Springfield, you, you take the St. Louis job again, being a St. Louis kid, um, you know, kind of, uh, uh probably a dream for you. I had, uh, uh, Dan P. Kelly on, um, a couple weeks ago and he talked about how when he got the same job you have now, it was just an absolute dream for him. Um, was this something that you ever thought like, oh, you know, my, my career is going to take me back to St. Louis or do you think, uh, you know, do, do you have to kind of tell yourself, that's never going to happen. Just uh, kind of see where my career takes me. I think you had to be open to anything and everything, and you hope that if there was a chance that that, that you would get it. You know, ironically, so I I got up to Springfield, and then uh, at the end of my first year there, the Blues job opened up. I didn't send a tape in. I, I didn't think I was ready. I, I didn't didn't feel like it was good enough. And if it ever opened up again, uh, naively thinking if it would ever open up again. I didn't want to ruin, you know, my chance of, of getting a job there because I just didn't think the tape was good enough. There was just, and part of it might have been too. I, I was just settling into the Springfield, and you know, thought staying there for a little while would, would be a good thing. Dan Kelly got the job that year. Uh, it was three years later that I ended up. Well, after three seasons later, I, I ended up replacing Dan in in St. Louis. Dan got the TV job in Columbus, moved over to the to the lights and camera side of things and, and the radio job opened up and at, at that point I sent the tape in of an NHL period I got to do uh, for the Coyotes uh, the previous season and and ended up uh, you know being lucky enough and fortunate enough to get the job but the, the night before, no, no kidding here the, the night before the job opened up then I was uh, in town uh, on vacation actually my one week's vacation in the minors and I was talking with my dad and I said well I said I just gotta get used to the fact that if, if it you know, if I am going to go somewhere in the NHL, uh, 
you, you probably won't be St. Louis. And he goes, well, why would you think that? I said, well, why would Dan Kelly leave? Yeah. You know, <laughs> it, it's, it's a great job. And, and no kidding, the next morning it was in the paper that Dan had taken the Columbus job. So, uh, you know, again, as I said earlier, things things happen for a reason. Uh, I've, I've always believed in that. I, I believe that you work your butt off and, and you do everything you can and you just, you, you know, you work hard to make opportunities happen and, and you do that so when they do happen, you're able to, and, and prepared to take them and then this one worked out. So, again, Dan P. Kelly, uh, son of legendary blues broadcaster Dan Kelly, someone I'm sure you heard growing up in the St. Louis area. Um, you know, Dan, Dan P. Kelly is a uh, uh, great broadcaster in his own right, but the Kelly name, uh, it's just such a, uh, an important name in the St. Louis area. So you're replacing a Kelly, and not only that, you're having a retired St. Louis Blue favorite, Kelly Chase, join you in uh, the, 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 in the radio booth. Uh, how nerve-wracking was that for you, or was it more excitement? Yeah, honestly, it wasn't nerve-wracking. It was, uh, it was fun. It still is fun. Let me put it, let me, let me say that. It's, it's been fun right from the start. Um, uh, and, and I'm looking for tons more of it, to be honest with you. Uh, it, it, you know what happens, you know, we, we spent some time there, Jeff, talking about the minor leagues. And, and, and one of the reasons that it's valuable uh, for, for a broadcaster or, you know, uh, an executive or, or, or anybody is it gives you the chance to, uh, to, to hone your craft. You know, Dan, Dan jumped right into that blues job and, and kind of had to learn. You want to talk about tough, and, and, and he did a hell of a job with it. Uh, coming in, you know, with the same name as your legendary father on top of it all, uh, not just last name but first, okay? And, and, you, and you've got to kind of learn on the job right, right then and there. And, and then on top of it, you know, the guy that you, you're, you're filling in for when, when there's no, uh, when there's, you know, when the TV's on, uh, is Kent Wilson on top of it, and who is very popular in St. Louis, uh, you know, with, with, with fans. So um, it was a hard scenario for him. I didn't have to do that, you know. Uh, I I was able to make my mistakes, and I made them, uh, you know, and I was able to find a style that, you know, while, while might be influenced by having listened to Dan Kelly and Ken Wilson and other great broadcasters and, you know, and, and, and Jack Buck and everybody in St. Louis, uh, you still had to figure out what your own voice is. And when you finally do that, then you feel like you're ready. So I, I wasn't... I wasn't uh, I, honestly, I don't think I was nervous. I, I think I, I was just—it was just excitement uh, and, and ready to get going. And I and I felt ready for it. And uh, you know, and it's it, it's really—I feel the same way now at, at every single game, walking into the booth before the game starts, as I did that that first game, which happened to be a road game in Arizona of all places, um, or the first home game in St. Louis, because it just. It's a great thing to be able to sit there and, and call a hockey game, and that moment right before the puck drops when you're ready to go is just an awesome feeling. So your first year, 2000-2001 uh, with the Blues, uh, that was the year they make the West Final for the first time in 15 years. That year they acquire Keith Kachuk, Scott Mellenby, and on top of that, again, you're, you're working in the booth with a guy who is just uh, beloved in St. Louis, and again, someone I'm sure you were very familiar with before starting. Uh, with so much success in that first year, um, 
just how exciting was it for you, a St. Louis guy, calling these games and, and knowing that these games are going to be immortalized uh, long after we're all gone? Well, I mean, it's just it's just fun to be a part of the thing, the excitement. You, you work hard all year. You prep every single day. You're reading. You're writing. You're you know you, you you're covering. You're talking to players, and, and and you enjoy that ride with the players. You you feel every bit uh, a part of it as. As much as the fans do, as much as as much as anybody, you know, uh, you know, for me, especially those first few years, I kind of had a very simple plan. Okay, I knew I knew Kelly Chase was really doggone good at what he was, was doing on the air, and I said, just get out of the way. <laughs> like seriously, it was just get out of the way, do the play by play, and then get out of the way and let him go. And uh, and you know what, he he's he's unbelievable at it. He can, uh, he he can. And he did. He, he described the game in a way that you didn't have to have a hockey background to understand what he was talking about. He, he pulled out personalities in the game, um, and was, and was just excellent at it. And he made my job so doggone easy as a new guy coming up, kind of put me under his wing too on the road, you know, and, and, and I learned the ropes that way, and I was, I was very fortunate for that. So, um, you know, I know this year we'll be, uh, we'll be looking for a, a, a new sidekick, but it was 18 great years with him, and, 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 um, uh, I hope nothing but the best for him as, as he moves on into a different role, but it was, it was a heck of a year, and, you know, and frankly, those first few years were really good. You know, especially look at the team that, the team that looked like it was poised to win the whole thing was the 2003 team, and you go up 3-1 on Vancouver and, and end up losing that series, but that's the team still, I think, when you talk to, when you talk to Al and when you talk to Mel and you talk to some of those guys, that's the team that they'll tell you that they thought had the best chance to win Stanley Cup. Oh, that was going to be my next question. I know Keith Kachuk has been vocal that that was the best team he thinks he ever played on, and we actually had Andy Strickland on this show, and he agreed. So uh, I guess that's that's your call as well. That's the best team you've ever been able to cover. Uh, yeah, it was. It was really. It was a good team. It was a fun team. You know, one of the great stories about that little era is you go back to Scott Mellenby when the Blues made the trade for him, for, you know, sent David Morissette to Florida and picked up Scott Mellenby. You know, it was thought that his career might be done. Well, man, he, he not only revitalized his career, he was playing on the top line with Pavel Dimitri and Houston Chuck. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and they had they had some great seasons, and then Scott, of course, went on to finish there in Atlanta. Um, but... Yeah, they, that, that was that was a heck of a team, and, and there, there, there was fortunate aspects to it too, Jeff. Because you know that was that was on the tail end of, of just a constant Western Conference battle for supremacy between Colorado and Detroit, and both those teams got knocked off in the first round. Blues have a three-one uh, lead over Vancouver. The team gets sick. I still, to this day, to this day, I believe this fully. The way the team booked and handled the travel for that series, I think hurt the Blues in that series. Uh, and, 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 and here's why. And we've done this tech enough over the years that you know how the body feels. But you're playing against Vancouver. It's a, it's a lot of travel. You know, it's a four and a half hour flight out there. It's 345 to four coming back depending on how the wind is blowing. We would leave right after the home game to fly out there. That would put you on the road. So you travel through the night a little bit. You know, you get in there. You get into the hotel. You've got a day off, maybe two. You play the game, a day off, play another game. And then you'd stay in Vancouver, 
so as not to get into St. Louis at 5.15 in the morning. That part made sense. But then you come home on that one day off, and then you're playing the next night. I think the travel fatigue aided some of these players getting sick and really hurt the the ability to win that series in Vancouver. Of course, eventually won it in seven. So um, that's that, that's kind of my thought on that 2003 thing. And I, I think about that all the time with the, with the travel. It's, it's not hard because uh, you fly on chartered planes, you're treated well, you stay in nice hotels, but it's still travel. You're still not in your own bed. And, and I think that travel played a role in that series. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. So uh, moving on a little bit to uh, and changing gears a little bit, in 2006 you ended up calling some some St. Louis Cardinals games. Um, now you said you've called you called baseball before that while you were in college, um, but uh, I guess for you calling Cardinals games, especially again being a St. Louis guy, that had I mean if anything's going to tickle your nerves, it's going to be that. Um, how did that come about, and uh, and what was that experience like for you? Well, it, it came about for unfortunate reasons. Uh, Mr. Shannon, uh, his, his wife was was dealing with brain cancer and that had to miss a few games, and uh, and 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 Mike was was kind enough to is there saying, well, who can do some fill? And Mike, uh, you know, was kind enough to say uh, to say let's let's let the hockey guy try it, you know, <laughs> and. Uh, um, so it was, it was really quite, uh, something special. My wife's from, uh, Pittsfield, Massachusetts. That's actually where I am right now. And, uh, I got a phone call from Ann Carroll at Bud Sports that said, Hey, uh, what are you doing this weekend? I said, well, I'm up here in Massachusetts, but you know, we're just hanging out. What's up? And she said, would you, uh, would you like to go to Chicago and uh, fill in for Mike and uh, on the broadcast? And I said, sure. What do I have to pay you? <laughs> and she said, no, we'll pay you. I go, Oh, really? So they actually, they flew me out of, uh, Flew me out of Albany, which is only 45 minutes from here, into Chicago. And, uh, I mean, I sat there and just watched an absolute master in John Rooney, how he prepared, uh, the level of prep he had, and then got a chance to call the game. So, uh, no doubt, uh, an absolute, I, I gotta tell you, I'm saying top, top three, uh, broadcasting moment for me was calling, you know, a St. Louis Cardinals game at Wrigley Field against the Cubs. And Pujols was scratched that game like 15 minutes before the game started, too. Oh. So watching John kind of readjust his score sheet and how he did it was just awesome. Um, and then a, a few weeks later, uh, uh, they, they were kind enough and then they needed it again. So I, I went to Pittsburgh with the team and, uh, and, and got to do four game, uh, three games, uh, three game series against the Pirates again, working and just studying and learning how John Rooney did it. And I, I think John's the absolute best at it. And, uh, and, it really was unreal. Now, here's the deal. Uh, they lost all four games. <laughs> okay. So I did not call a winning game. Having said that, they won the World Series that year. So I feel somewhat vindicated, at least by the end result. But, um, but they ended up, they did lose all four games that, uh, that I ended up doing that year. No, you got a ring that year, right? No, no, I don't think they worry about the fill-in guys. They take care of the ones that matter. That's right, that's right. Um, so, shifting back to the Blues, uh, the dark years for the Blues, 2005, 2012. I, um, again, I, I had Lou Korak on recently, and he talked about what it was like covering the, the team in such a, a dark era for Blues fans. Uh, for you being a broadcaster and calling those games, um, what was that like, uh, trying to, I guess, kind of, find a way to appeal to the fans when almost every game seemed like it was going to be a loss. 
Well, you, you just you just had to be honest. Uh, you know, again, I'll go back to those minor league days. I called some great hockey. You called some really bad hockey. Did you learn how to do it. Either way, it's still hockey. Either way, you go to a game and you might see the most spectacular stage you've ever seen. You know, you might see a player score four or five goals in a game, even if it's on a team that's that's not very good. Um, so you take you take that approach. And yeah, you know, fans are upset. You're taking phone calls, phone, but shoot, man, I'm still calling hockey games and working in the NHL and 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 so yeah those were dark years and, and you know you had that stretch from 05, 06 uh, and until you made the playoffs in 2009 with that unbelievable run for Chris Mason uh, you know for that one year then you missed again and then, and then you know you started getting those draft picks up where you needed to get them and you know you go on another five year playoff run until this year right um, yeah it wasn't easy wasn't great but you know what the, the players that came guys like Mike Sellinger you know, Eric Johnson was good. David Brown was a rookie that year. Like there was, there was, there's still plenty of good stories to do. And yeah, look, attendance got tough. I mean, sometimes we were only drawing five, six thousand a game. They might have said ten thousand. There were only five or six in the building. Uh, and and yeah, you get it. That's hard. So you know, this current run and constant looking towards the future and and also and understanding you know where the team is so you don't hit that type of low again is is really important. But uh, um, you know, it, you, you meet good, you, you met some good guys, it just didn't work out on the ice. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, sometimes that's, that's also part of the game. Look, keep this in mind. I, I, I said this when this, when that was going on, I still say it to this day. Everybody was saying, oh, 25 years of making a playoffs, if you didn't win a cup, 25 years of mediocrity. Okay. All right. Well, during those six years, five years that you missed the playoffs straight, Okay, and, and and now you're not showing up. I guess that's what you wanted. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know what I'm you know what I'm saying. I like, hear you. Uh, if if it was 25 years of mediocrity, okay, then how come more teams couldn't even be mediocre? Yeah. Uh, you, you know, so you, they're, they're, I guess it's just I I don't know. To me, it, it just depends on how you want to look at life, and maybe it's just the personality and and trying to have a positive outlook on things, but. Um, you know, those, those that those that said, "Wow, oh, you got to miss the playoffs to get your high draft." Okay, well, there's there's what you got. You know, <laughs> and 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 that's what happened. So I I think that's another way to skin that cat. And I hope hopefully the team's doing that now. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's something that I've said to many people. Whenever they get so down and depressed about the team, I say, "Hey, at the end of the day, it's entertainment. Are you being entertained? That should be all that matters." Well. It, Look, that's, that is a big part of it, but no, I mean, your goal is to win the Stanley Cup, and, and they have not achieved it, you know, and had they been able to find a, a better goaltender in the early 2000s, maybe they get that cup, you know, I mean, Ken Hitchcock will tell you, you know, in, in, in 99, that, you know, they, they, they won the Stanley Cup, but the same Louis Blues, if they had a different goaltender, holy cow, you know, you know, uh, or in the, in the early 2000s, they're like, it, it's, it's, it's just one of those, uh, your goal is to win the cup, and you're trying to do it. And okay, it's been 50 years without it. Uh, you know, everybody around this team knows it uh, ad nauseum, and, and and you know that they're still just trying to get it done and do it. But uh, you know, hopefully, eventually that does come. And in the meantime, hopefully, we continue to see some really good, great players and some fun hockey. Do you have a favorite call that you've ever made? Do I have a favorite call? <laughs> Putting you on the spot. Uh, I have a favorite call. 
Jeez, uh, off the top of my head, I, I don't know. Hmm. Um, uh, Alex Steen against the uh, the Kings comes to mind. Two thousand thirteen, I think that well, was. Well, yeah, that 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 shorthanded goal in overtime was a good one. Bryce Salvador scoring an overtime goal in the playoffs against San Jose. Um. Uh, I don't know that I have a favorite call. I mean, I have moments like that, but I don't know that I that I that I tie it into a call. To be honest with you. Wow. Well, that's that's a very humble statement. <laughs> I like that. Well, no. Well, unfortunately, it's, it's a very honest one. I don't. You know, I don't. I, I don't know to say how oh, this one was. This one. This this one was it. Uh, um, I loved the moment of Troy Brower scoring the goal with seven minutes to go in, in Game Seven against the Blackhawks. Hmm. You know, and, and and those are things you see clearly where you could see that puck clearly hit the post, and then and then almost like it's in slow motion, you see him whiff on it the first time and then find it the second time. Uh, those are some those are some pretty cool things. So, uh, kind of shifting a little bit in, more into Blues talk, um, I kind of want to ask you about Mike Yo. He's been here now a year and a half. Uh, how would you rate him as a coach, and and how do you think he's uh, going to do with this new group going forward? Uh, I think that uh, with this current group going forward, it's probably the most talented group that Mike Joe has had in the NHL as a head coach. Uh, and so from that standpoint, uh, you know, it'll be curious to see how, how things go this year. I think he's a, he's a good head coach. And he, he's very well prepared, um, you know, and, and I think he's got some, some good assistance, uh, you know, at his side. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I, I, I do think that that is going to be an important key to this upcoming season with the change that Doug uh, Doug Armstrong made. You're going to have to get the team to gel together and the team to uh, to go together. You're going to have to fix that power play in a big way, which starts to think Paparoon go to the front of the net, and uh, you know, and then and and Steen and Pareko shoot the puck, uh, and 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 you kind of go from there. So um, I, I think he's proven to be a winning coach. You know, and 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 he's proven he can get his team into the playoffs, and he's he's proven that you know he, he might have gone further if he doesn't run into the Chicago Blackhawks buzzsaw losing in the second round two years in a row to those guys with Minnesota. So I think the Blues are just fine from a coaching standpoint, and uh, we see how it plays out now with the changes that they made this year. So, uh, kind of talking about the rookies that are be coming up. Um, so you've got a couple options with Clem Costin, Jordan Cairo, and, and Rob Robert Thomas, as well as uh, Billy Huso and Net. Um, there's already been a lot of talks that Thomas is pretty much it's his job to lose at this point. But uh, and then and then Huso obviously making the jump is is hoped. Uh, but but in your eyes, who do you see uh, making this team out of camp? Well, I'll answer that in two parts. Yeah, first off, something you, you might have heard me say because uh, I, I said this a lot, but prospects are prospects. And when I say that, it, I'm not insulting ability or talent or whether or not they can make it. But even a prospect that makes it into the National Hockey League, there is if if Thomas makes the National Hockey League this season, he's going to have growing things to do up here. Now, some guys. And let's face it, the best of the best uh, are pretty much the ones that do it. They come in and just have an immediate impact their rookie season and they take off and they fly. And they're winning scoring titles like McDavid in their, you know, in their second year, in their third year, right? Uh, you know, you, but I look at prospects as just that. I don't look at prospects as being a means to winning. And, and the reason that I say that 
is because of that those growing pains that, that they have to go through. I think you take some good young prospects like Thomas, and if you've got the right veteran leadership around them and the right team that, that allows these guys to develop into players in the National Hockey League where they don't have to carry the load, you know, and, and, and that way, I, I, then I think you have a chance. And I think that that's what the Blues have here. There's no guarantee that Thomas makes the National Hockey League, especially once you've made the trade for O'Reilly. If you have to go Shen, O'Reilly, Bozak down the middle, you know, with, with your top three, you could be fine. And as we talked about earlier, it may not hurt Thomas to go spend a little time in San Antonio, you know, and, and, and develop some of that confidence at the pro level. Now, at the same time, he may come in, he may make this, he may have some instant chemistry with somebody, and you, and you, and you take off and go. But look at last season. When you needed a top six forward, and you, you're saying, could it be Sammy Blay? And he was up and down and couldn't do it. Saying, could it be Tate Thompson? And he couldn't quite claim that. It's not that neither one of those guys aren't going to be top six forwards. You just saw, you just saw the youth in them. And, and you saw, and you saw what just the growth that it's going to take for them to be there. And I, and I think both could end up being very good. I mean, I think Tate is going to end up with a terrific opportunity, you know, in, in, in Buffalo. Uh, you know, but, but, that, that's how I look at prospects. So that, that being said, I do like what Doug Armstrong said, that if, you know, I don't think you could look at more than two of those guys making a team if you want to be successful because of, of what we just talked about there. So Billy Huso is an interesting one. He just finished his first full season in, in North America. He just he had a, a very good season down in the American Hockey League. But now with the Blues being the sole team in San Antonio and he's going to get the bulk of the load, That'll be, uh, I think that'll be better for him. You do not want a prospect if you're high on Billy Huso coming up and playing the backup role to Jake Allen. You want that to be the guy you signed to Chad Johnson. You want Huso down there playing 55, 65 games in the, in the American League and continuing to develop rather than sitting on the bench here. So, uh, that is how I expect that to play out unless, uh, something drastic happens. So uh, Carter Hutton leaves the Blues, goes to the Sabres. Blues bring in the old Sabres backup and Chad Johnson. Um, do you think that's going to be a step back, or do you see Johnson fitting into the system like how Hutton did? Chad Johnson two years ago proved uh, that he could get the job done in the National Hockey League. Uh, you know, one of the hardest things I think scouts and general managers have to do is evaluate talent on a losing team. You know, the do you think Chad Johnson is a good goaltender when the, you know the, the, the overall Buffalo deep play wasn't very good? That that's what they have to decide. The reality of it is, though, this season is not going to hinge on Chad Johnson. All right, the, the, the season is going to hinge on Jake Allen, and, and Jake Allen, uh, to me, now with the changes that are made, chemistry is, is, is paramount. But the consistent play of Jake Allen is going to be a huge key to the success of this hockey team. He's a guy that's going to get sixty games. You know, which, which only leaves you 22 others. And, you know, if, if, if he's doing his job in those 60 games, I'm going to be just fine. So, uh, I, again, we, Lou and I talked a little bit about this as well, but, but Blues fans, for some reason, are fixated on uh, coming up with their own lines. Uh, so let me ask you this. It should be. That's the fun of being a fan. That's I mean, right. Great to try. Yeah, you get a pencil those in and see how you do it. That's right. That's right. So uh, along those lines, do you see O'Reilly and Tarasenko, the types of players they are, having chemistry out of camp? Uh, I have no way of knowing that. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I have no way of knowing that. Uh, I, I can tell you, uh, I, I was talking to Carlo Koliakovo 
uh, really, the day after we made that trade, I was talking to Carlo Coliacopo. He played with O'Reilly. He said the Blues just got a terrific player, a great guy for the locker room, the kind of guy that's going to be first on the ice, last off, really good with, with younger players, um, uh, a good locker room guy. Okay, so that comes from somebody that, that played with him in, in, in Buffalo. Um, yeah, you know, Shen Schwartz and Tarasenko had some pretty good success together. Uh, I don't know, uh, you know, you know, you got to get Schwartz and Tarasenko healthy from shoulder injuries, but, um, I would think, shoot, unless you see something really spectacular, you start with that option. You know, and then, uh, you know, and then you figure how you, how you build in that, that second line. One of the real wild cards here, Justin Stephen, without a shred of doubt, is number 15. You know, it is, it is where, what does Robbie Fabry look like? Where is his game? And can he stay healthy? And if he is close to what he was and what, what you hope he was, remember he had 15 points in 20 playoff games that year that they went to the conference final. Um, man, now you have options and now you have depth because you're, 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 you're then looking at a scenario where honestly a third line, a third line could very easily look like Steen, Bozak, and Perron. You know, I mean, you're talking to a guy that had 66 points last season, potentially being on your third line. That that's that that's some true depth that this uh, this hockey team needs. So, Jake Allen, his consistency, the health of Robbie Fabry, uh, two big, big, big questions coming into uh, this season that uh, you hope play out well. So, with those things said, I'm going to give you a chance to give a hot take here. Do you see the Blues returning to the playoffs this season? Yeah, I do. I do. I, I think. I think once you've missed, I think it's hard to get back in. Um, I, I really do believe that. Uh, but I believe with the team that they've built, that uh, if the chemistry is right, I, I without a doubt think that this is a team that returns to the postseason. Um, so I wanted to ask you one more question, and it's involving uh, Kelly Chase moving on and you uh, getting a new, I guess, a new color man uh, coming into this next season. How involved are you in finding Kelly's replacement? And um, I guess for those that that are uh, vying for the job, because I know everybody listens to this show, um, what are you looking for as uh, somebody who could uh, fill in Kelly's shoes? Well, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm lucky enough uh, that that I'm very involved with it. Uh, we're working hard with uh, you know with management on on, on who will replace it. Uh, I, I can tell you that the process is still going on, and and we've got some great candidates for it. Um, and 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 it's not going to be an easy decision on several fronts because I think no matter what we do, we'll end up with a good broadcast. But there's going to be some quality people that probably are not going to get the, uh, you know, that, that are going to get that opportunity. Um, look, I, you're, you're not, Jeff, you're not, we're not going to replace Kelly Chase, and we're not trying to replace Kelly Chase. Right. When you've got a personality like that, when you've got the ability that he had uh, to, to break things down and, and speak of it the way he did, uh, we, replacing him is not, honestly, I can tell you it's not a thought saying, oh, who, who's going to get this going to be like that? You know, and, and that's, so that, that's not the goal. What we're, what we're really looking for is, is someone that can uh, join the broadcast, uh, that, that knows the game, that could be entertaining, um, and, and, and that can grow it and, and be a part of everything we're doing. You know, our, the Facebook lives, the, you know, the, the fun content that's now that every team in pro sports is putting out, things along those kind of lines. So, um, it's an all encompassing role. We've got some good candidates to do it, but, 
not looking, and, and I don't think we will replace Kelly Chase. Uh, he was a hell of an 18 years that, that he put in and in with him. And, and uh, I'm, I'm just looking forward to whoever this, this next person is, them getting an opportunity to come in and just be themselves. And if they're that, we'll, we'll, we'll work out to a good broadcast. Well, I, I accept your invitation to take Kelly's job. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Sorry, I didn't have you on the list. Let me get out my pencil here. <laughs> well, uh, Chris, this was a lot of fun. I really appreciate you coming on. I know our listeners are going to enjoy this. Um, I guess well, people know where they can hear you at, at KMOX eleven twenty for all Blues uh, Blues home and away games. But how can they find you on social media and interact with you? Oh, Curbs uh, uh, Hockey on Instagram, Chris Kerber on Twitter. Uh, Facebook, I pretty much kept uh, kind of private. That's where I enjoy family and friends. <laughs> yeah, and, and getting to see photos of, of of their families and adventures and stuff. But uh, um, that's it. And shoot, I think as as you know, most people know, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find and pretty accessible. Great. Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming on, Chris. I really appreciate it. You got it, Jeff. Uh, good luck with the podcast. Thank you. Well, I again, want to thank Chris Kerber for coming on. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Chris Kerber, all one word, no underscores. Big thanks, of course, goes out to Smash and Gene Ackman for allowing me to use Let's Go Blues, uh, their great song from the early 2000s, in my intro and outro. So thanks again, guys. Appreciate that. And, of course, the late Johnny Johnson with that fantastic piano solo. Twitter handles for the show. You can find us at LGB Radio. You can find Kurt Price at Kurt Price. That's Kurt with a C. Bill Day can be found at Billy Blue Note. And myself, Jeff Ponder, can be found at JPonder94. My guest for next week is actually going to be two gentlemen. The guys from the Two Guys No Cup podcast will be coming on. Uh, They're one of the newer blues podcasts out there. I've had a chance to listen to them a couple times. Pretty entertaining guys. Should be fun to talk to them about the blues summer moves, what they're expecting. Yeah, looking forward to that. Going to be a good time talking to them. They're uh, they're two energetic guys about the St. Louis blues. So uh, always fun to welcome in another podcast to discuss uh, why they started their podcast and... Why they want to compete with us? I mean, right? Come on! You can't compete with Let's Go Blues Radio! Eh, maybe you can. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Let's Go Blues Radio, the Talkin' Blues Summer Interview Series. I will talk to you next week with our next episode of Let's Go Blues Radio. Hockey, you got to bleed blue. Hey!